Welcome back to Grey Malkin Lane, the podcast where a few friends gather to discuss and review the original X-Men comics. Last week, I sat down with three friends to talk about the first issue of the X-Men from 1963. In it, we saw Professor X, the powerful telepath Charles Xavier, set up his private school for mutant teens. With his vast resources, including a private plane, a Rolls Royce, and an enormous internal training facility, Professor X taught a group of teens how to use their powers for the good of mankind with the goal of stopping any evil mutants who might try to harm humanity. Named the X-Men for their extra powers, the team faced their first evil mutant, the deadly Magneto, who uses magnetic waves to manipulate metal or to put up walls of force. Magneto attacked the United States Army, destroying their missile bases and holding many men captive, but the X-Men defeated him using teamwork and creativity to save the day. At the end of the issue, the military accepted the X-Men as heroes, and called the teens uncanny, a word that would later be constantly associated with the X-Men. In the final panel of X-Men 1, Professor X summons the team using the phrase, To me, my X-Men, a phrase that will later become his biggest catchphrase. Today we're here to talk about issue 2, called No One Can Stop the Vanisher. Before we begin, it appears the X-Men have spent some weeks training together, and they've built friendships now. Word of the X-Men has spread, and the public considers them heroes, at least for now. Professor X is constantly on the lookout for newly developing mutants, to either recruit them if they are good, or to stop them if they are evil. My name is Chad Anderson. It is a pleasure to welcome you back to episode two, No One Can Stop the Vanisher. Uh, And I am here with uh, three of my close friends. Please introduce yourselves. I'm Heather. I'm Colby. And I'm Taylor. Uh, we had Helaman here with us last week. We're thrilled to welcome Colby today. Colby, who is your favorite member of the X-Men? Hmm. I'm going to have to go with Cyclops. Why? Because he's pretty hot, actually. That's my reasoning <laughs> right there. <laughs> Are you going off the movie? Yes, I'm going off James the movie Marston version. James Marsden is beautiful. James so. Marsden is a Disney prince in his own right. Yes. And he has even played a Disney exactly. prince. Yes, he yes. has. Uh, So, most of my friends have never read the original X-Men comics, so we are here to discuss X-Men number two today. Uh, Let's just jump in. What did you guys think of the cover for X-Men number two? I am so confused by the Banisher's costume. Like, what is that Uh, headpiece? um, I I realize later it's a collar, but like, what is happening? It looks like a wig to me. (laughs) I think... Okay, like, my first impression of the Vanisher's costume was frilled lizard, (laughs) Dilophosaurus, Jurassic Park. Like, it was, it's so, it's just, anyway, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm picturing, like, an old man living in Palm Springs who has terrible fashion (laughs) Oh my gosh. And he's like, I need head-to-toe snakeskin and a purple cape. (laughs) Living in like 2004 with a pop collar, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. A pimp. the collar kind of looks like a like a wig that they'd wear in like a London court, right? Yes. Like, it's it, like a barrister's wig. It does, yes. But a red-headed version, mm-hmm. and also a little black mask to make sure no one can know who you are. Obviously, yeah, because mm-hmm. that totally hides his identity. Yeah, totally. Nobody knows who he is. Uh, any other thoughts on the on the cover? Yes. I just I just don't understand why his costume is textured like a quilt. <laughs> like from head to toe, he's wearing a fucking quilt. This doesn't that get hot? This man wants attention. He wants a lot of attention. He wants every eye on him. Okay, but there are ways to get like positive attention, and there are ways <laughs> to get like negative attention. His and... cape is longer than Magneto's, though. That's true, Magneto. Oh, well, you know train. what? Cape doesn't matter. Size doesn't matter. <laughs> That's what you do with your cape. That's what matters, honey. Okay, I just had I had a question, why is the White House black? <laughs> like honestly. Like, For the same reason the sky above it is bright red. Yeah, why is because the sky why red? The fuck he was color the artist was colorblind? Like what? I just I'm also loving the extra wheel under <laughs> Professor X's chair. The, the literal third wheel. Like it's a, it's it's just kind of hanging out there in the middle to help him steer better, maybe. It's like a runner. So he doesn't, oh, no. you, you know, you don't want to wheelie over backwards. You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe sometimes he just like gets really passionate about something, and, and then like he throws himself backwards, and that wheel helps him from like toppling over. But he doesn't seem like that kind of person to me. He seems like he's so put together that he wouldn't just, like, 
have a random seizure or something. And Don't actual wheelchairs have their little stabilizer wheels or no? Am I crazy? Not, not anymore. Okay. Maybe in the okay. So maybe, maybe back that's yeah. maybe in the sixties they did, but then they realized that such a thing was not necessary. That's fair. Okay, so uh, as the book opens, we have Professor X summoning all of the X-Men. They're clearly all very far away from home yes. in Westchester, and they all need to get home quickly. Mm. And they all have their own little unique <laughs> methods of getting there. Uh, I let's... skiing. I love it. Iceman skating on his own ice. Uh, let's start with let's start with uh, with the Beast's method of getting home. Thoughts? I, my first thought was like, oh, that's where the beast's feet come into play. Because uh-huh. it like, finds all the little ridges. Okay, that's... He's barefoot. Yeah, he yeah. uses his toes. I kind of yeah. like it. He digs his toes into like the cracks and yeah. the crevices in order to get where he needs to go. And I mean, it's, it's kind of funny to think about. But at the same time, when you have feet that big, then, you know... Then wouldn't your toes be big? Too big for the cracks? I'm just... <sighs> Maybe your toes would be too big for the cracks. Like, or, but if they're I strong mean, enough, grip. they can still grip. That's yeah. I, like he's got like the grip. Yes, I, I he need doesn't to do have like an opposable. <laughs> he doesn't have like an opposable thumb on his feet. You don't know. You I'm don't just know saying, anyone who has a foot fetish should be real into the beast. <laughs> oh, they should be. <laughs> oh, uh, definitely. On the first page, even on the first page, like before any other part of his body, his feet. Yes. His feet lead the way. He, yeah, he's proud of those feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we have, uh, then we have Angel being accosted by fan. He probably smells like creamed corn. <laughs> <laughs> the quote, "His kiss is more powerful than I thought." I just about died. As the as Marvel girl, girl floats away in yeah. the air. Wait, where? What? Whenever Marvel Girl is like floating them away, and one of the girls goes, "Wow, his kiss is more powerful than I thought." Oh, I see it. I see it. And it's like, what the actual fuck, though? <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> and take time to notice her pose as she sends her the hands chickadees. on her hips. Yeah, like, oh no, you She's didn't. Like, oh no, you didn't, honey. <laughs> no. And her choice, and her choice of where she deposits them. Your thoughts? Uh, a little bit catty, a little bit cruel. <laughs> Did anybody notice the name of the movie, by the way? A Teenager's uh-huh. Tears? She tops on the top tears. of the movie side, so they can't possibly get down. A Teenager's uh-huh. Tears. How heroic is that? Which So, something bizarre as well. Uh, Angel is full-on referring to Professor X as Dr. X, and he's telling Jean she has teleportation powers instead of telekinesis powers. Which, yeah. in a book that has telepathy and telekinesis and teleportation, is just fucking confusing. That is confusing. So Angel's either had a little to drink, or the letter are real, really screwed up here. Or yeah. else. He got confused women, between... You know, getting all that love from his fans. Oh, that's true. Addled his brains a little bit, you know. He could be flustered. Yeah. I think that the, I think that the writer, or the inker got... Or not the, the letterer, got confused between Professor X being telepathic... Marvel Girl being telekinetic, and then the Vanisher being teleportatic. Teleportatium. Is that the technical term for it, Taylor? Uh, it is now. Let's okay. make it a thing. Perfect. <laughs> but also, they call him Doctor X, which yeah. literally on the previous page he's Professor X, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but it also shows that they're really thinking. They're really thinking about the development of these characters and how they're interacting with each other. Which is something that I found in this issue that wasn't in the previous issue. And as somebody who does sequential art, it makes sense to me that when you have a lot of stakeholders waiting for you to put something out, you want to put something out by the deadline and you're not thinking about it in as much detail. You just, you have an idea, you develop it, you make the minimum viable product and then you you put it out there. Sure. Yeah. Right? And then over time it develops. And, you know, Marvel and both Marvel and DC have, you know, it's not just one person making it. It's a team of people. And yeah. so there's going to be, you know, there's going to be miscommunication and there's going to be, you know, like you're in a hurry. You're trying to get the stuff out by deadline and the deadlines are pretty short. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I think you get the gist of what I'm trying to say. You'll notice, too, if you look at the movie, it's a teenager's tears. It's kind of obscure, but on the side it says, Starring Tuesday Weld. 
who is like a blonde buxom 60s actress like a real a real person yeah so it kind of cements this in like 1963 which yeah. like they they put in a popular actress at the time i wonder if that's a real Relevancy. movie that she was in I don't know. We should get the teenager's tears. We'll have to watch it. Uh, we also see Marvel Girl have a little bit of power limits, right? So they're they're giving some thought to how their powers work. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Angel warns her, you're not supposed to pick up more than your own body weight. Last issue, we saw her toss Beast around, Beast right. around, and she like manipulated some missiles in the air. But mm-hmm. like she's like fatigued, so Angel just needs to fly her home now. Beast, but see, Beast that is seems a little train. sexist to me, But the damsel in distress. Yeah, exactly. It seems like right a damsel there. in distress moment. Well, where... he even calls her, he says, but fear not, fair damsel, you can relax in my arms. Like, exactly. Yes. And it's like, fuck it. shut the front door. <laughs> shut the front door, Angel. Like She used all of her she... energy getting all of the, the little know, chickadees away. But that does not mean that he can talk to her like that. <laughs> right, exactly. She can relax. Yeah. He can recognize Recognize the fact that she used her power to like (laughs) lift. She used her power to lift one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six full-grown human beings into the air, onto the top of a theater. Well, and someone later in this issue calls her like the most powerful of the team, which because she is. It turns out to be true. She's an omega-class mutant, isn't she? She is. Colby, do you have a crush on Angel as well? Well, you know. I'm boy crazy, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little later in the comics, he's actually quite attractive, so I get it. So he gets more attractive? He's like a fine wine. He just gets better with age. Yes. They as make him the more and more. Better. <laughs> <laughs> as the as they gets better, Angel becomes more and more like the Botticelli of, of, of the X-Men. You know, he's the angel... And he's supposed to look Botticelli, like a, you know, like Italian, (laughs) like Italian, not the putti, but like a Italian renaissance, like, you know, I am the epitome of beauty and all ideals that you could ever strive for as a lowly (laughs) mammal on this planet. He's the hot blonde billionaire, like we all get. Exactly. William Worthington. William. (laughs) We also have evidence here of... The X-Men later, it's like the comic is about, your wing. we have about, like, it's the comic is all about prejudice, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But here we have, like, people fangirling, like, the they're yeah. full on, like, loved and adored and supported. So something in the early days, they were doing something right. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like Professor X was using his powers to manipulate public influence. I don't, that's my thought. You think so? I mean, mm. he's a dick. I get it. He is. <laughs> he, well, I mean. We'll talk more about him in just a yeah, second. Let's, kind of let's pause. Let's pause. Okay. 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 So then we go to Cyclops and Iceman. They're. They receive their summons, but first there's a wall randomly falling on some construction workers. And we see Cyclops, like, testing the upper limits of his powers here. Like, he opens the visor all the way and totally pulverizes the wall. Which kind of shows you how powerful he is. However, I have to say, this is 1963. Uh Uh-huh. When did OSHA come into practice. Oh, I don't know. Occupational <laughs> safety and health you authority. Think I would know yeah. that, but I can't. Remember. Because I'm looking at this wall falling and I'm like, there ain't no scaffolding. There ain't <laughs> well, no traffic cones. It. It's at the edge of a fucking cliff, honey. <laughs> like, who's building a just like a fucking wall at the edge of a fucking cliff? But then what's the that con- all about? But then when all the construction workers are like thanking them, my question is, how does a glove turn into literal ice cubes? Right, because uh, that's yes. how science works. Yeah, that's science. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you did actually take a glove and freeze it in like nitrogen or something, it might crack after. Okay, but would it but be it literal ice, ice cubes? cubes? Would it be ice cubes? No. no. Yeah. Like maybe he pocketed the glove and then just dropped some ice cubes in the guy's hand. <laughs> See, I feel like that. Does was... he have pockets? He's naked. Uh, you know, he's covered in snow. Is he naked? He's naked yeah. under those socks. Or is that, yeah. Snow. That's why he wears snow, because he doesn't wear clothes. Snow I said, if you will. <laughs> Dear listeners, the reason why I said suds was because when I first walked in and started reading this issue with everybody, Colby was like, who's the guy covered in soap? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He looks like he's covered in soap. He does look like he's covered in soap. We, in a few more issues, Iceman looks a lot better, but he's a lumpy snowman still here. But I love when they're like complaining that lumpy he turned the, their gloves the into ice, and he's like, that's the way the cookie crumbles, chum. <laughs> Jump. Or, you know, you could just not turn people's work equipment into ice. Yeah, that was rude. <laughs> That's the way the cookie crumbles, chum. So then Iceman is so excited to get into the ice cream truck. And let me just quote, because again, we know he's gay years and years later. Yes, Let me do. just quote. He says, 
the ice cream driver after he drives them home in the Mary Moppet ice cream pops truck, which is amazing. He <laughs> says, yes, now just wait till I let your other passenger out of the rear compartment. <laughs> Iceman's just hanging out in the rear compartment, which is a Fantastic. And he ate three chocolate chip pops. Uh-huh. Well, back there eating pops. We stand. Another observation here. It specifically says that a small white vehicle, which is supposed to be this ice cream truck, right? Bitch, I don't see no white vehicle. It is red. <laughs> it is red as Russia, honey. Did, did like, the, the artist sign, not the read? The sign is white. The Mary Moppet sign is white. But I would Unacceptable, think Heather. Yeah. Unacceptable. <laughs> the whole thing should be white. Okay, now later in the comics, we'll see Xavier using Cerebro, which is right. the, like, computer that he uses to amplify his telepathic powers and track mutants. Yes. Mm-hmm. But at this point, even He's though he has... He's to communicate with people in the in the FBI. Right, we'll see that in a minute. But right now, he, he has some sort of indicator letting him know that a new mutant has developed. Except uh, he so, doesn't so, even... So. He says if he's a, a mutant... So I think about this back then, like, if I was a fan, I'd be really excited to see what kind of mutant they're going to reveal next, mm-hmm. right? Like, it could be any kind of powers. <laughs> it's this yeah. terrible old man with this terrible pink costume. And oh, like, that first image of the Vanisher's face makes me want to, oh, like, drag you just a little so bit. are we fast-forwarding to the Vanisher? Oh, no, no, like, just Xavier showing them the Vanisher, like, on the screen oh, yeah. with that terrible... Yeah. <laughs> so but bad. also, Girl. Xavier looks worse. Well, that first panel that he shows up in, did it his forehead gets bigger. The Vanisher? Yeah, so... The first vision of the Vanisher, like, this first image of him, like, he's that lady... He's that... He's that lady that you... Okay. Girl! Girl, hush. He's that lady... He's that lady where, you know, you go to Joanne's Fabrics on a full moon, and there's a lady dressed up like a frilled lizard in a quilt shopping for fabrics, and she got the sunglasses, she got the weird thing that she sewed herself, like a snood. And she's all oh, snood yes. and just like... No, I'm really, I really, Colby, because you mentioned RuPaul, I really want to see her put on her library reading glasses and <laughs> right? read the Banisher's costume for filth, because that would be amazing. But, but uh-huh. like, I don't know, that whole look, I've got like a RuPaul vibe going on, so... So we've got the Banisher... Winner, winner. We've Chicken. got the- dinner we've got the managers walking up to the police and being like so i'm gonna go rob the bank bitches <laughs> he just wants to I know. tell them i know like he, he tells us he's very it. transparent about yeah. which you know no pun intended but like he's very transparent <laughs> about his plans and he also can become quite transparent beyond <laughs> transparent even he wants attention oh yes, he yes does. 100%. Mm-hmm. he wants to show like he uses the phrase homo superior like eight times right yes he, he wants does. to show them i am better than you i am a narcissistic asshole uh-huh. okay <laughs> okay so we just need to pause for a moment and i want to reveal all of you to all of you live none of you have ever heard this before are you ready are you all with me Many years later, we will learn the Vanisher's real name. Oh, no. I'm His so name is Telford Porter. <laughs> oh, my. Excuse me? God. Telford Porter. Meine Gott im der Himmel. Which is the... <laughs> Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Telford Porter. Because he's a teleporter. Telford See, drag name again. <laughs> Please, welcome to the stage, Telford Porter. <laughs> Who names their child Telford? <laughs> Telford? Telford. 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 It's time to come inside and have your dinner, Telford. Like, Batman's got the Riddler and his real name is Enigma. Like, that's kind of cool. But Telford Porter, is, it's just awful. That's just awful. It's like the first shot. Yeah. It's the like, first shot of, like, punifying a yes. power into a name. Yeah. But also... When it, because you were saying that you know he sensed this new mutant, but he even says that he doesn't know if he's a mutant. That's true. Is, he goes, "Is yeah. he a mutant like us, sir?" And Professor X says, "That remains to be seen, but I suspect he is." So if he's not a mutant, what the that. fuck is he? Yeah, I thought about that, and I felt like that opened up the yeah, possibility. Yeah, but like, what other option like, is it for people like Doctor Strange? Sure, he's not a mutant. Right, but like and in their world, like. Spider-Man? What else do they think he is? Who is our... Spider-Man is a Marvel character. He's not a mutant. He was Spider-Man was not always Marvel. So... He wasn't always. This develops a little... gone through a lot of things. This develops a little later, but we learn that, like, Magneto and Professor Xavier have both developed technology to, like, sense mutant genes, right? We also see Professor X commuting with the FBI, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I'm thinking he may have gotten some sort of tip. 
uh-huh. that shows like, hey, there's this new guy out there. But the X-Men clearly don't know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So they, they go, and this is the first appearance of the Danger Room, which is a big deal. <laughs> the Danger Room. So the Danger Room is the big training facility, the which is all full of like, uh, at this point, like, traps and robots and missiles but later they use holographic technology from the shiar which is an alien race we'll get to way 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 later (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's like in the comics even or in the cartoons and movies they like go in this thing and they can fight sentinels and their villains it's like computer holographic programs but here it's just like this amazing gym that's like a whole wing of their mansion it's kind of like the holodeck in star trek yeah yeah which i think is a ripoff from the X-Men. I think the X-Men I think so too. I think that they, they drew inspiration from the X-Men. Who was first? That. Star Trek or X-Men? Well, X-Men, X-Men. was first, but I don't know it, uh, if the holodeck came before the holographic danger room or not. Okay. I'd have to look that up. Uh, so the the X-Men are both using their powers, but also like training and like hijinks together. What do you think of the, the use of their powers in this sequence? <laughs> well, you know, I think that they still have a certain level of overconfidence in their powers i mean they're teenagers so whatever but like they're still pretty overconfident and uh they i mean they do fine i i feel like they do fine i feel like throughout this entire thing like you're meant to underestimate iceman because he's younger than the rest of them like he's and he doesn't take it as seriously doesn't he? but he is like just from looking at this sequence he is so powerful he really is though He's really creative. One of the notes that I wrote down is that Iceman is one of the mutants who is very creative with yeah. his powers. He's constantly turning frowns upside down. Right. <laughs> so we see Professor X testing Angel's limits. He wants his endurance to go up. And Colby, yeah. because we already know you have a crush, what is your reaction to shirtless Angel getting his heart rate checked? Well, first of all, he's not he's shirtless, not shirtless in my version, so yeah, I, I feel like I just got gypped, by the way. <laughs> We're reading like, different I mean... reprints, and in mine, he's shirtless, but in yours, he has blue Yeah, so... Which doesn't make sense, because his shirt's not blue. Oh, but his... I was gonna say... Headpieces. But right, like, but the panel before that, he's in a yellow shirt, and then but he's I think, in a blue like, shirt. But I think, like, the yellow shirt, like, goes over the blue shirt, and, like, oh, that's yeah, what's he lifted pulled up that? around his neck. Okay, well, if you look in mine, he's shirtless. And he should Colby, have nipples. I was going to say chest. he's missing nipples. He's like, like no, this looks he's like he's got a blue fur. suit I mean, on. that is a handsome man. He should be part of the blue man group. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have Beast. They're dropping into the pit, testing his strength and agility. We can see... Yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, I got these big metal hands. I've done this before. Bloop, bloop, bloop. And he, like, flips back, and all of a sudden, a trap door opens underneath him, and he's fallen into a pit. That's new. <laughs> Where'd this hole come from? <laughs> Where'd this new hole come from? And Iceman's like, I'd like to help that big gorilla, but with the cactus plant. Like well, his little jives. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, why, I, does he, why are they so at odds with each other? That's what I'd like to know. But anyway. It's, can... just, it's just constant hijinks with these guys. Mm-hmm. I think it's the way they deal with, like... I mean, you know, I think there's some truth there. You picture, like, a, a group of guys who are in combat. They must just constantly rip on each other all the time. I think so, too. Especially know? if they're all yeah. straight. Especially <laughs> if they're all straight. Because then they've got to have a pissing contest, and they've but got to prove that... isn't straight, I know, though. but I'm just saying... But, but he doesn't know he's gay yet. But either. he's also, like, acclimating to the culture of yeah. the straight boys... And so, you know, they've got to have a pissing contest. Heather, Heather, Heather. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you notice when they were talking to the construction workers, Iceman was, like, kind of reticent. He was like, I don't... That's the way the cookie crumbles, chum. Yeah, like, he was not into those construction workers at all. And you know what that, you know what that, like, resonated for, resonated with me? Please tell me. Uh Was the fact that, like... Okay, I'm gay. I don't know if you guys have noticed, <laughs> but I am. And I, when I am in, like, a super masculine setting where, ev- like, it's all just a bunch of straight guys, I get a little bit, like, closed off. I mean, yeah. particularly when you're a closeted teen. Right. Particularly. You gotta put up the straight vibe. Yeah, yeah, you do. And often, when you're gay and you're putting up that vibe, it comes off as standoffish and putting up walls and Mm -hmm. you know and so i related to him on that and i know that i have a bias because i i have a bias because i know that he came out later but in 
feeding that bias and looking at the way he responded with like these toxically masculine straight guys. Because let's be real, they are toxic. Because they are. It's the 60s. Yeah. So that's just, like, the norm, right? Uh, But in in that regard, it's like, yeah, I can relate to you. So this will be a further discussion later down the line. And even in today, we're going to talk about the ethics of telepathy in a minute. But here's here's a side note. So way later, the comics in the 2010s, there's a writer who brings the original X-Men forward in time to the present. So you have this team of X-Men. It's a little farther in the future. But they're, they're teenagers and they are brought into the present where they meet their adult counterparts. Sure. Oh. Mm-hmm. Iceman, as an adult, this is like 10 or 12 years later, is still closeted. And the teenage Jean Grey uses her powers to read his mind and then reveal that he is gay. She outs him? She outs oh, him as a really telepath. Cool. But the teenage that Jean Grey from kid. now outs him as a, like... A later adult and then the teen Iceman is like oh yeah I'm gay and he dates a man in the present but then the X-Men have to go back into the past and they have to erase his knowledge of having come out and having a boyfriend sad. in the future that's sad Aww. I agree isn't that trippy so like you have to mix continuity in but so he gets outed by a teenage Jean Grey but like way later on wow crazy wow okay you so out people <laughs> <laughs> don't really. do that. Don't out people. I speak uh, from personal experience. Don't do it. It's a bad idea. So one of the interesting things here, too, I, I'm impressed with the scope of the threats uh, in these first two issues. Magneto attacks, like, a, a full-on military base. Right. Yeah. Vanisher wants to, like, exploit the United States for millions of dollars by stealing their continental yeah. defense plans. Yeah. What does that mean? Where do, where do his loyalties lie? Where is he from? And what is he actually trying to do? Magneto, he went so grand. He was so big. And so, like, it's very obvious that he wants to show Homo sapiens who's boss. Right. But the Vanisher is a little bit different. It's, it's almost like he has a more specific, more, I wouldn't say grassroots, but like, towards that like he has another agenda it's not about the world it's about something else see for me it feels like magneto is thinking on a larger scale yeah like you were saying he wants to prove to the homo sapiens that homo superior is meant to be in charge which we will see much more of magneto shortly whereas for me vanisher seems like he is entirely on his own team he is just doing all of this for him Mm mm-hmm and like he doesn't yeah he doesn't care what anyone else like who gets hurt he doesn't care you know that but he doesn't seem like he's working with anyone Mm -hmm. i mean he might be i don't know but um it doesn't seem like he's working with anyone it seems like he's just like i'm gonna fuck shit up because i want to yeah he's Mm -hmm. got his own motives yeah what are your thoughts of vanisher as a villain while we're there well, going off of that, like, a villain who is in it purely for himself is a little bit terrifying. Because there's no... There's nothing that you can really do to stop them. Like, if someone's... Like, Magneto is in it for a larger scale, you know, you can you have a chance of showing him, oh, there's a better way to do this. Where someone like the Vanisher is in it purely for himself, and he's selfish and it's all his own motives... Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can really do to be like, hey, there's a better way to do this. Because he's like, why should I listen to you? Because I just want to do what I want to do. My, my, my storyteller brain automatically wants to fill in the blanks. So like X-Men, m- mutant powers generally develop when you're a teen. Right. Vanisher mm-hmm. is much older than that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you kind of picture maybe he's had this like normal, regular life. And then something really shitty happened to him. And he's like, fuck the government. I'm just going to go take what I want and like form a gang. And just get all the money. I don't know. Like, maybe there's some sort of background motivation. Uh, yeah, you can and like I said, there's, prob- Possibly, there's probably but... some that, you know, I don't see. But from just this issue, that's kind of where I'm at with the Maybe manager. he's making up for lost time. Because he is on the older side. You look he at him looks, and you're like, okay, yeah. you look like that 50s. crotchety old bitch from Joanne's. <laughs> or 70s. Or older. <laughs> with, your fil- with your fucking frilled lizard costume. He's like 70, but... When he logs on to Grindr, he says he's 45. Exactly. Oh my yes! gosh. Yeah. That's exactly 
exactly what he's like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> also, he's wearing a costume only Elton John could pull off. Like, you and teleporting into the dark. Elton, Elton John has better taste. Elton John has better taste. Darling. Like he's, he's got the taste. Uh, so mm -hmm. interesting, and this is my deep nerd side, uh, when he teleports into the Pentagon, one of the military generals here, this is kind of one of the first examples in the X-Men of crossover, is a guy that has previously appeared in the Fantastic Four. So again, like, oh. nerd boy back then, you get to watch for these characters who, like, randomly show up in various places. Cameo appearances. Kind of fun. What do you know? Okay, we're back in the danger room. Jean Grey is testing the limits of her powers with a giant red ball. Boys are the <laughs> worst! Because <laughs> <laughs> they all are, they're all like, oh, let me save Jean! She's having a hard time, I'm going to save her! No, I'm going to save her! Wait, oh, wait. no! Colby, what did you just say? I said she basically got teabagged by this ball. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I wrote down, boys are the worst. So we... Now, okay, before you go, before you go on, I want to say, I like the fact that Professor Xavier, or Dr. Xavier, <laughs> however you want to call him, he is using his telepathic power in order to entrain their minds to work as a team. He's training them to recognize mm -hmm. when... They are at their limits so that they can swoop in as per Angel or blast in as per Cyclops and save the day and support each other. He's teaching them how to support each yeah, other. Yeah, and mutant powers are a little bit like skill. If you first join a gym, it takes you time to develop proficiency and skill levels. Absolutely. And all of them are still, like, Jean Grey is a full-on telepath, but she yeah. doesn't even know it yet. Like, there's all these, there's all these skills they're developing. Well, so, but so. she obviously had some skills before she joined. She, like did. She, she already knew that she was a telepath. Yeah, we'll learn we, more about we her. We saw that in the first later. episode. Okay, but then when Cyclops says, There, little lady, it'll be a long time before that testing device can bother us again. We also get Iceman's fantastic <laughs> little icy horse, which is adorable. <laughs> oh, yeah, his little hobby horse. Oh, it's a nice sculpture. He's so creative. Punch. <laughs> but yeah, boys are the worst. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> okay, so somewhere along the way, Professor X has formed a relationship with Agent Fred Duncan at the FBI. He's in charge of the Department of Special Affairs. They've created some sort of partnership. He's somehow supposed to monitor mutants. And Professor X has given him a, like, a scalp device to be able to receive his thoughts. Mm -hmm. So they communicate. Duncan will come back in later comics, but we won't see him for a while. He's, he's kind of an obscure character who has like some mythology in the early X-Men issues here. But uh, he sends a plane for them to, like, go get the X-Men to come back to cancel the Vanisher. Because the Vanisher has kindly warned us <laughs> and the people at the Pentagon, I'm going to come back in a few days to steal your plans, <laughs> even though I can right. do it now. Because he's a real big talker. <laughs> so he's any, very confident. Any Talk thoughts on, like, the FBI's connection to the X-Men? I feel like it's based on some sort of history. Yeah. I mean, this is, like, the Hoover history. era, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it feels like a, I mean, it's, it's definitely a plot device. I don't know how it tracks with reality back then, but I feel like it is close enough to reality that it gets people thinking about how mutants might be able to interact with non-mutants yeah. in a cooperative kind of way. I which mean, ultimately is what the X-Men want to do. They're, they're not like Magneto and his side, you know, they're not his faction. They want to be able to cooperate with humanity in order to save and preserve humanity. Well, and J. Edgar Hoover, who ran the FBI back then, who may have been a closeted homosexual or cross-dresser, oh. yes. was notoriously racist and had, like, he'd pay people to give information on the Black Panthers, on homosexuals, on oh, communists. So it's kind of an interesting storyline, because the FBI is lauded as heroes, yeah. but here we have this guy who's working with the mutants. It's an, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Well, does Duncan... Stick around when Aurora Monroe comes into play. Duncan kind of appears in and out of the comics and kind of fades into obscurity. He's got some weird connections to a way later X-Men villain called the Executioner. But he, he's, he, I believe, is a heroic character who's pro-mutant. Okay. 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 It does seem that way. Yeah. Uh, okay, so then the Vanisher comes back, steals the defense <laughs> plans. What are your thoughts on, uh, on what ensues? So, why does he want the defense plans in the first place? Like, why does he care? To, to extort the government for money. 
Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. So my favorite quote in this whole like little sequence here is the vanisher. He's like, that's it. Hold me tight. Very good. <laughs> and now human watch. Like that seems, what? What it's he really dirty. He is liking the sensation of being grabbed from behind by two men. Well, and then later Angel says oh. to him, when an X-Man tells you to do something, Buster, you do it. Understand? And it's like, okay. <laughs> Getting a little dumb there. <laughs> I mean, if the Vanisher's secretly gay and he meets someone off Grinder and there's a hookup, he just teleports away when he's done. He's like, climax, he's like, disappear. Bye. <laughs> climax, disappear. <laughs> Thanks for the hard cock. No, no need to call an Uber. <laughs> he just blinks out of existence. Bloop. So there's some really interesting panels of, like, the X-Men fighting a very clumsy Vanisher, who's also surprisingly agile. Yeah. But we see them working pretty well as a team. Did you enjoy this fight? Yeah. I thought they worked well together. And you can definitely tell that they've been training together. Mm-hmm. Because they were able to do quite a bit. Yeah. But at this point in time, they were thinking about themselves as a team separate from Professor Xavier mm-hmm. yeah. and his contribution too. And they were thinking about what they could do. They're, they're all very confident in their powers. Yes. But they've never faced an opponent like this before whose power kind of evades mm-hmm. and eludes all of what they are familiar with. And so later on, dot, 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 so we see, I mean, the two most ridiculous moments in this fight. We see Vanisher, who has a sleeping gas gun yes. at the ready, which is like <laughs> 1960s Batman's he, realness. Where did he pull that from? Like, I'm just saying that outfit he, doesn't have He pockets. had a gun drawn earlier. He just didn't use it. But okay. here it's like firing sleeping gas. And then we have this delicious panel of Iceman trying to hit him. It was just heck. a fetal position up his ass. <laughs> he says, heck, if I could have been a split second slower, I could have nailed him with an icy fist, which is just amazing. But Vanisher balls, escapes Iceman's ice by teleporting, teleporting to somewhere slightly warmer so that the ice will melt off of his hands. Yes. And it's 10 feet away. You know, yeah, ten feet away. Again, that's how math or science works. Right? It would have made mm-hmm. it would have made more sense if he said, Global "I can warming. teleport. I can teleport out of your ice because the ice isn't a part of my body, and so I can teleport my body over here, and your ice is still over here." So anyway, the, the Vanisher is a pretty unstoppable threat yeah. for any of their powers. Yes, you can't stop him with you know eye lasers or wings or Anything like strength material. or ice. He's just gonna mm-hmm. zap away, right? Right. So the X-Men go back. They're distressed it's, about public opinion turning against them. And it's interesting And they start to me, taking it out on each other, don't they? But yes. even before that, whenever the newspapers are all talking about how, you know, Vanisher makes monkeys out of X-Men and all this stuff, it's, and people's opinions are turning. And it's interesting to me to see evidence that at every, mo- at every point in time, media has been able to sway people. Always. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's just interesting to see, like, the newspapers are like, hey, the X-Men suck. And then the population's like, hey, the The X-Men suck. suck. And so it's just interesting to see how it all. That's something that tracks 100% with with real world, true history. Exactly. It's like cancel culture circa 1962. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, for crying in the mud. And so, yeah, the X-Men are upset. Angel's blowing Iceman oh. back with his wings. Iceman's <laughs> icing his wings up. They're, like, really They're arguing. Fighting amongst themselves. Yep. But Professor X decides to join the fight himself. And this is where I'm actually most excited for this discussion. So Professor X, like, obviously, he's got to be smart. You know, like, why why did he not join this in the first place? So we just, like... Because he's a dang. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's we're going to talk about Professor X. So Vanisher has gathered a team of like Monsters. subservient Homo sapiens mm-hmm. who are so impressed with his reputation, and they're like, "Yes, Mob we bosses, will gangsters. definitely Anyone join you." Anyone who's not in prison from the criminal underground, people who aren't on the up and up, they <laughs> exactly. surround or they like march in front of the White House, and which white is now pink. One. Well, it's white in ours. Oh, in mine it's pink. We have different <laughs> copies. So they get back, and Professor X is with them this time. Vanisher is ready for a full-on fight, and what happens? Professor X. Mind fuck! I can't manage anymore! What's happening? I forgot who I am! 
Thanks, S- Professor X. So it took like two seconds too, but exactly. I feel like Stanley and Jack Kirby wrote themselves into a corner here because they made him <laughs> so powerful. It's kind of a Deus Ex Machina yeah. Yeah, situation. He can just wipe your mind. Yep. But what are the ethics of if you are a, a superhero who is a telepath, if you're a bad guy, you just might wipe people's minds. No big deal. Sure, sure. But if you're a leader of a team, a heroic team, and you just can erase people's memories of their identity and their powers, what are the ethics? Is, did he do a good job here? Was it for a good reason? Yeah. So if you're a telepath, earlier in the issue, we see Professor X like reading some of the teenagers' thoughts. Mm-hmm. And now we see him just mm-hmm. full on erasing a mind. How how many times is he re- reading those teenagers' thoughts? How many times <laughs> is he putting himself into the minds, like, secretly? You know? Like, while he... they're masturbating? Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Like, exactly. I know exactly or, like, taking a shower. That. Like, I'm just gonna sneak myself into the he mind. Gets a lot, he gets a lot creepier. Oh, Oh, just wait. <laughs> Let's assume for the basis of conversation that he's learning the upper limits of his power here. Sure. He's sure. faced with a huge threat. Continental defense is like at stake and he just like chooses to do it and feels like shit afterwards. Let's assume that he's like heroic and like learning a lesson here. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, are his actions redeemable here? Yes. Yes. Thoughts? His actions are redeemable. I yes. think they can cool. be. It Easy. depends mm-hmm. on... <laughs> yes, Taylor? No, go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead, honey. I think it can be redeemable as long as there is that sense of a remorse that he did something that could be construed as completely evil in the wrong hands. And also that B, he doesn't make it a habit and like use it for his own ends. So I think it's it's kind of a crossroads moment where it can be redeemable, but he also could go completely off the deep end and Well like police officers need ethics, right? right. You can't just yes. shoot someone or plant evidence or take someone down, even well, if it's for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a telepath, like what is that? What is that? I don't know. It's an interesting concept. It's the tr- it's the trolley. Oh yeah. The trolley conundrum. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Tell us the trolley conundrum. Yeah. Uh, okay, you're riding in a trolley, and there are a bunch of kindergarten students who are tied to the tracks, but the trolley itself is going to be destroyed. I don't know if I'm telling it right. You, the, the idea being there's two tracks. You can there's kill, like, a, like, one person who's going to save the greater good, or you... Or you I can kill a group of people. We gotta <laughs> it's Google something it. like that. We gotta Google it. I know, now we gotta, like, look up... But, but the it's... fact of the matter is, somebody has to die. Somebody has to be on the you, short end yeah, of the stick. And how do you decide who loses? Exactly. Well, for me, it comes down to who is the greater threat to the highest, yeah. to the most people. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the flip side of Who's the argument. Who's the sand in the engine? I don't like Professor X. I will not make any allusions that I do. I don't. I'm Let's not, assume on the other side. I like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Let's assume on the other side, he, we have this rich white man who is like mentally manipulating teenagers. Mm-hmm. And he sends the teenagers out and they don't do their job because Vanisher escapes. And so he's pissed and he's like, I'm going to fucking teach them a lesson by mm-hmm. showing them how powerful I am. I can erase his mind and I can erase all of your minds if you ever cross me, you little bitches. That's kind of oh, where my thoughts go. With him. That's what I'm saying. Snap. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I didn't think about it that way at first, but now that you mention it, it's like, yeah, he's like, he's swinging his big old balls around, isn't he? His big old bald head. His big old big bald, bald head. head. With an extra wheel under his chair. <laughs> That's why he needs the wheel. His head's too heavy. Because his head is too big and too heavy. So we either assume he's like totally altruistic or he's just an asshole and he's the biggest villain in the comic. After this, Vanisher's gone for a long time. Right. He shows up. Yeah. Uh, he shows up in a couple years as part of a really stupid team. <laughs> we'll eventually get there. Their names are the Factor. You know three. what? In, in Jurassic Park, though, the Dilophosaurus was only like a little <laughs> in Jurassic Park, but like he was also like the favorite. You know? Can we just can we just say how pretty the Vanisher's red wig? <laughs> Can we you just know. say how pretty the Vanisher's red wig looks when his mind is being ripe, wiped, though? Like, it look how lovely he looks. It takes up his entire person oh. around his head. Oh. He's clutching his pearls. 
We're all born naked and the rest is drag. Well, uh, I love whenever they are gathering up the rest of the criminals and, you know, they're all making their puns. And one of the criminals goes, call the cops. Even jail would be better than those corny puns of yours. <laughs> like, that is such a flex. <laughs> and Iceman, like, Cyclops blasts a little hole under them. Beast yeah. takes their weapons. Jean Grey pushes them back. And then Iceman forms, like, a little pie crust over the top yes, of them to yes. keep them contained. And, it's, a helmet. It's, and to be sure, to be sure, it is a latticework pie yes, crust. It it's beautiful. Expertly made. Uh, one, and here's where the mobster style. on the last page, the mobster says Jean Grey is clearly like more dangerous than the others. Yes. Yep. And she turns and her she own is. guns. Angel disarms them. They all get a bit of action. And then we end with them, uh, Professor X saying, always remember my X-Men. The greatest power on earth is the magnificent power we all of us possess. The power of the human brain. The human but brain. In other also, words, don't you dare fucking cross me or I will erase your minds, you little brats. But did they get or, the plans back? Or Turn your even homo sapiens. Even homo sapiens is capable of great things because it's the human brain that is the source <clears throat> and the root of all of our powers. Enter Siler from Heroes, but that's not what this podcast <laughs> is about. Hey, but but they, still. But you never see them get the plans back. Did they actually yeah. get the plans back? didn't really wrap up very well. He's talking about how great your own homo sapien human brain can be, right? The humans the humans got buried in a hole under a pie crust, yeah, and the vanisher's mind was wiped. So yeah. I think we're safe. Okay, but they still need to get the plans back. <laughs> so <laughs> let me capture your live reactions to the cover of issue three, <laughs> in which the X-Men fight the, the blob. blob. The Blob's a little more famous. He's been in the arcade yes. game. He's been in the comics. We can <laughs> we can pass this around. Oh, okay. What are your thoughts of, uh, uh, just preliminary thoughts as you look at what we'll be reviewing next week? Iceman is throwing a, an ice airplane at him <laughs> for some fucking odd reason. I don't know. Iceman, come on, dude. You are the epitome of a particular element. You are the, you are an elemental Dude, he just wants to expand your mind. He just wants to eat ice cream in the rear compartment of the truck <laughs> and make ice horses and ice planes. Leave him alone. Uh, next issue, we delightfully get more personality from the team. So okay. it's kind of like they've found their groove and now we get some Well, because the first couple, they just need to like set the stage. They can't really show as much personality in the first couple because they have to like set a very general stage. Yes, they and do. be like, hey, this is what's happening. And they're happening. in a hurry. Yeah. They're in a hurry. I'm also fascinated, a uh, late thought here, but the villain in issue one and two are both like bright purple and red. Yeah. With their costume oh, choices, well, which is interesting. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is in early comic books, primary colors were used mainly to denote heroes, whereas secondary colors were used to denote villains. But, I don't know why. But red is a primary but, color. Well, yeah, red is a primary color, but red is also the color of like aggression and right. evilness anger. and blah 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 and anger and all of that stuff so like if you think about this isn't okay this is kind of a segue but not a segue but it's kind of a what, what do you call it a, a trans tangent, tangent yeah, a yeah. tangent but like so if you think about batman for instance like in batman like all of the villains they have like they're like green or they're purple right you know and so they're like primary colors that are mixed together. And I don't understand why it was delineated that way in in Western comics. But because because in the East, you know, if you think about Kabuki mm-hmm. theater, for instance, you know, in the West, red is considered evil and blue right. is considered good. But if you go to the East, blue is considered good. Or no, blue is considered evil and red is considered Good. I think some yeah. of it might be color so, selection as well. Like Spider-Man is red and blue, right? Yeah. And right. all of his early villains are green. And so a green yeah. and purple. So I think sometimes it's like a color delineation. Like the, a, the X-Men are blue and gold. Sort of thing, and all their villains are red and purple. You just have to like yeah. differentiate between the heroes and the villains. And yeah. so you have to make the colors different. You have to differentiate, yeah. yeah. Until the I'm blob who's myself an expert. I'm just making yeah. I'm just making observations. Until you until the blob who's just wearing a tight pair of shorts. Which we'll get to next time. Uh, so final thoughts. What's something you learned from today's issue? Teamwork makes the dream work. Baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Apparently, whoever's at the top of the food chain is the one that can solve all your problems. Mm-hmm. 
you can take your shit out on your family members, <laughs> but your family family members help you take the shit out. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Heather. <laughs> Next. Um, I think one of the biggest things I learned is that villains are scary when they're in it for themselves and not for something else. Yes, I uh, I just reinforced my concept of Professor Xavier is a huge dick. I had that thought as well, but <laughs> and, and it's worse. Next I don't to think that. Uh, oh God. Okay, fine. I'm not gonna say it then. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I don't think that Prof- Professor Xavier is the hugest dick in the world. But I we didn't say I that. think that he. We just said he's a huge dick. He's a huge dick, but he's, he's not the hugest. hugest. And I okay, kind of but like I don't think that. You know, I think Professor Xavier is learning and evolving just as much as everyone else. Don't wince your eyes. No, at no, me. I like that we can have complex discussions about this character. Uh, I also want to dress He's as not a Nazi. Come on. I also want to dress Come as on. the Vanisher for Halloween. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> I really want to do it. I want a quilted pink frilly oh. <laughs> domino mask costume with a purple cape. And we should all go. All, we should all go down to Joanne's Fabrics. A little bald cap. <laughs> Uh, who's your favorite character after reading today's issue? I, Just based on this issue solely. I would still have to say it's the same as last time, either Jean or Iceman. Just because they're great. Me too. Me too. I like Iceman a lot. Jean's little movie theater antics kind of knocked her down for me this issue. I, I think that's fair. I kind of like Fred Duncan the best. Catty. I like the FBI guy. <laughs> Okay. Okay. He's not a mutant. You like he's my favorite he's hero, I guess. <laughs> This issue, he's my favorite. No, you yeah. know, Beast Beast kind of stands out in this yeah, issue a little bit. Beast, too. Beast yeah. has his moment in the sun a little bit, and I appreciate and like, that. Like, so, I mean, I said Cyclops at the beginning, and he really doesn't have like, like a very he big part. But he also has his little bit of moment in the sun because you can see how powerful he really is, like when he turns the wall into dust. Yeah. And so, like, he also has, like, his little shining moment. Mm -hmm. Next issue, we get a lot more insight into Cyclops, who's, like, afraid to hurt people. Because he can't, Mm -hmm. you you know, like, his eyes are going to destroy anyone if he takes his glasses off. (laughs) Did you say he he can't jerk off? I said he can't turn it off! I thought you said he can't jerk off. I can't give you full eye contact, because if I give you full eye contact, I will kill you. I will blast you into oblivion. Chad, we can all see where your mind is. Uh, That's what I heard, you know? Uh, So 10 stars being the max... I'm sorry, 5 stars being the maximum. What would you rate this book? Just reading it in 2021. This issue? Mm Mm-hmm. Two and a half. I'm going to give it two. I think it's all right. I would say two. Yeah. I'm going to say three, because I can see where they're trying. It gets so much better. And the, and the X-Men comics do get significantly better. Yes, well, they do. Thank you, everybody, for coming to Grey Malkin Lane. We're so excited Thanks. to come back and talk about The Blob next week. And uh, we hope you tune back in. Let us know some of your thoughts. If you have any questions for us or about the comics, uh, we're thrilled to have you join us. Uh, we will see you next time.